Amen. You guys can have a seat, and our kids can transition to be with our team in Redemption Kids. Let me welcome you to the gathering of Redemption Hill Church. My name is Tanner Turley. I serve as one of our pastors. And this morning, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. This is our fifth week in a row as we're looking at the seven churches that Jesus speaks to. He actually writes letters to these churches, and we're walking away with some just really great instruction in terms of uh, how we need to be thinking as a church and living out our faith in Christ. So if you're using one of the Bibles we provide, it's page uh, 1029. And if you have a different Bible and you're looking forward, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. So uh, you should be able to, to find your way, the big numbers of the chapters, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And I don't know about you, but um, I, I love a good night's sleep. Anyone just... Anyone just really love a good night's sleep? Raise your hand. Come on, really high, really high. Okay, that's at least about 99.9% of the people in the room. Um, you know, and I get it, right? Like, we're, we're, we're Bostonians, right? We work hard. We go hard. Sometimes we play hard, right? Some of you play too hard, but that's another sermon, all right? Um, but, you know, it's like... We really value just a good night's sleep. And there's nothing worse when you're just really in that kind of, uh, you know, that, that REM level of sleep, you know, just down in that second or third layer, and you're just in the middle of that dream, and then all of a sudden you hear that, <coughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, you know. I can remember back as a kid, I would go to basketball camp in the summer, you know, and the really good ones were the ones that were overnight, you know, because not only did that mean that, you know, you got to travel somewhere and, you know, play basketball, like 10 to 12 hours of basketball all day. Uh, you know, my father was a coach. Most of the time he was running the camps. And uh, but so that means I got to go even earlier as a kid before my age group, you know, it was really awesome. Um, but just after working so hard, playing basketball, tennis, in the dead heat of summer, when most of these gymnasiums, by the way, were not air-conditioned, I mean, you can imagine that just by the end of the day, uh, you were so exhausted that you slept really, really well at night. And so there was nothing worse than the evil and ungodly basketball coaches coming by the next morning to wake you up with this sound. Wake up! Boom, 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 boom. And then, sorry about that, <laughs> and then for those players who rolled back over in bed and went to sleep, the coaches would then come in to your room and put a wet cloth in your face, right? I mean, if, has anyone ever experienced that in life? It sounds really, it sounds worse than it is, but it's not good, right? It's just, so like, wake up. There's, there's, there's few things in life that, that we um, probably, you know, enjoy less than, than being woken up when we're just really, really fast asleep. No one likes being jolted out of their sleep. And yet, as we think about our spiritual condition, sometimes this is the exact thing that we need. Jesus, in this little letter, is sounding a wake-up call. 
the whistle is blowing. Do I need to bring it back? The alarm clock is going off. Jesus is, is trying to get their attention with this, this, this simple message, wake up. Wake up. Did you know that there are times in our spiritual journeys where uh, we, we, we kind of just drift off to sleep? We're not fully present, fully engaged. We're not living life in the ways, the, the fullness of what God intends for us. I think we've all been there. I've been there. And we need to hear that constant reminder, wake This is what Jesus is getting at in Revelation chapter 3. In verse 1 it says this, And to the angel, these are the words of Jesus, And and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him, self-description, Jesus, The words of him, Jesus, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And this is what he says. He says, "I, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at the hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The central message Jesus is speaking to the church at Sardis and consequently to us today is to wake up. Wake up and live in the strength of God's Spirit. All right? Wake up and live in the strength of God's Spirit. And I want to give you five ways to, to, to do this, okay? To, to, to live an awakened life before God, before others, and to live in the strength that God supplies. The, the, first, the first thing, it all starts with this, know your spiritual condition, all right? Know your spiritual condition. Jesus is the great physician. He is the one who provides the diagnosis, all right? So, so, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, here, here's what I think goes on in our spiritual lives, all right? We're, we're like, we're like um, some people that I know. We'll just put it that way, all right? Like, when someone gets sick, what these people do, and I, I mean, I've been these people before, but not as often as some other people that I know. Uh, what do they do when someone gets sick? Google search, right? Like, symptoms and WebMD and... And there's a self-diagnosis going on, right? I mean, I get it. You know, it's like a quick answer. Maybe it saves a few dollars versus a doctor's visit. But, but, but we do this spiritually, right? We just kind of 
We just kind of look at our lives and we do this self-diagnosis thing and we, we think everything is cool, but Jesus is saying, look, I, I see things better than you do. This is, what he's, this is why the self-description of Jesus and the vision of him in verse 1 is so important. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven, uh, and the seven stars. The seven stars, as we've seen, are the seven angels, the messengers to the churches that carry these messages and to watch over them and to minister according to God's design. But then the seven spirits of God uh, refer to the fullness of the Holy Spirit present with his people. When we read about the seven spirits in Revelation chapter 5, it says that the seven uh, spirits are like seven eyes. They have a full awareness of what's going on in the church. And so Jesus is saying, look, like I know everything that's going on with you. Down to the very details. I know, I not only know every one of your actions, I know every one of your thoughts, every one of your desires, everything that you are, your heart is chasing after. I know it all. Jesus sees our true condition. And the condition for the church at Sardis is, is not a very encouraging one. He says at the end of verse 1, I know your works, you have the what? Reputation of being alive, and yet you are dead. Wow. People, people look at your, your church. They, they see the crowd on Sunday, you know, and it seems like these people are faithful to Jesus. But they don't see what I see, Jesus says. He uses the word dead, and, and this is a, a hyperbolic statement, again, to like arrest their attention, to pull them in. It's not to say that they, that they are, uh, are dead or have never had life, because we, we see that even from verse 2 when he says, wake up and strengthen what remains. So the fact that there is a pulse beating, if, the, if, the, if there was no pulse, they couldn't strengthen what's there, right? So there, there is life in the church. And yet, they're living in such a way that doesn't display that life. They've been growing weaker and weaker in their relationship with God. There's the skeleton of life, but it's little more than a dead person's bones. And we would ask, like, did they know? Like, did they know what was going on with themselves? And I think probably what was going on is they assumed that everything was cool. They assumed that they were good. Human beings have an uncanny ability to assume the best about themselves. Do you ever have these conversations with a friend or maybe a spouse? Um, you, don't, you don't seem like you feel too good. I'm not sick. You, you, you seem a little tired. I'm not tired. What? I mean, like, I might not say it that way, but I'm in my heart. I'm saying, like, Marcia said that to me. Like, she, she knows how hard I've been working in a particular week or how much is going on in the swirl of life. And, see, you seem a little, you, you seem a little stressed. I'm not stressed. What? These Christians at Sardis, they reflected the city itself. And let me just give you a historical context. So uh, Sardis set up on an elevated plain. And there was even a, a cliff on one side of the city where uh, the fortification was, was so secure that Sardis thought they could, it was like, they thought they were impenetrable, right? They, they thought that they could never be captured by a, a, a foe, an enemy. And yet, twice in their history, they were overtaken by their enemies. And how did that happen? 
It happened by this one area of their city that uh, there was a, 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 a steep cliff and, and precipice that went down, and so they actually left it unguarded because of the natural terrain. It's like no one can enter from this way, and yet twice in their history, the enemy entered there and then overtook the city. And I think that's us. It's just like, we're good. Like, we're walking. We're, we're showing up. And yet we leave ourselves vulnerable because we don't see what God sees. And so maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. And, and you think you're good with God because you believe God exists. God, I know you're there, and if I, like, believe you're there, then surely, surely we're good. But that's not enough. That doesn't, that doesn't restore your relationship with God that's been broken by your rebellion and sin against God. I mean, the ultimate, the ultimate problem of the human heart is that we don't want God to be God over us. We want to be our own gods. We want to call our own shots, right? It's just natural, right? It's just like the whole response to a person. You don't know. You don't know. You're not. And we do this with God. Like, God, you don't know what's best for me. You don't, you don't know what I should do. Like, I'm going to do my own thing. This is, this is the problem for every human being on the planet. And so every person needs this, this relationship that God made us for to be brought back together, to be reconciled, for, for our, our sin to be forgiven by God, through Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today, I would just plead with you, like really take an inventory of your spiritual condition. Don't just assume that everything is great when it's not. But this is for every person who is a follower of Christ as well. Maybe you've been in Christ for many years. Maybe, maybe you're a new believer, but no matter where you are in the journey, again, like we just have this uncanny ability to think like, man, I'm good with God. Like I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. I don't have to wake up. I'm awake. But if we could just peer into the heart of God, and we can, and we could see just how, how amazing God is and, and the life that he could, like how good it is, all that God asks from us and once for us, we would see that there are just depths to explore in our relationship with God if we would just step into those. And so perhaps today you're a little more sleepy than you realize. Sleepy Christians make for sleepy churches. And you say, well, Tanner, like, how can I? how can I begin to really know my, my spiritual condition? Like if I make these assumptions about myself and they're inaccurate, then how can I kind of get it right? Well, here's a, here's a novel idea. I don't actually do this enough in my own spiritual journey. Ask God. Ask God. Be like Psalm 139, verse 23. The psalmist prays, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Let me see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me into your way, the way everlasting. Just ask God. God has this uncanny ability to actually show us where we're not measuring up. But then number two, listen, ask the people around you. Ask the people in your life who, who know you well, who see your life. Hey, what, what do you see in me these days? How, how closely am I reflecting Jesus? 
In what ways are you encouraged by me? In what ways do you see that I have some room to grow right now? Because we all have some room to grow right now. So to ask one another to, to know our spiritual condition. And, and I think what's so serious about this, and this is just kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the way that, that we can just kind of forget the main things, all right? What, what makes this so egregious, okay? What makes a sleepy Christian such a, 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 a counter to uh, the reality of Christianity, okay, is that what's going on here in the book of Revelation in chapter 1, and then every time that a letter is introduced, these are the words of Christ, who is alive, right? Jesus is alive, so for us to live sleepy lives contradict the very Savior who is fully awake and fully alive. I mean, if you want to know like the kind of church that I dream about and that the pastors dream about and that our staff team is, is praying for, okay, this is, this is my prayer, okay, and, and I would just invite you to pray into this too, okay, every single week, all right? When people come to our church, and I know some of you, this is your first Sunday, all right? Welcome to Redemption Hill. Yes, Pastor Tanner gets a little animated on Sunday mornings, all right? But I'm the same person on Sunday night and Monday morning. Ain't that right, Parker? Where's my daughter? She knows how I am. Hey, if you think I get a little excited in here, you should see me on uh, Monday night, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, so, so if you're new, welcome. That's the point. Um, where was I going with that? Help me, Lord. Um, we're praying. We're praying. We're praying. Thank you. We, this is why we're community. We help one another. So, so this is how we're praying. When someone new comes, and when someone that's not so new, when you come, and you've been 200 times, from the moment you drive in the parking lot to the time you're greeted by the people at the front door, our awesome connections team, and you come by for a little cup of coffee or whatever, you roll in here, we start singing songs, and then you hear from Pastor John or John or Tanner, Jesus is alive. This is what we want to be communicated. Jesus is alive. There's life here. There's love here. There's joy here. This is not boring. This is the greatest invitation that the world has ever known. We don't have a dead religion here. We don't have a dead savior. There's no dead prophet or leader that we follow. He is alive. Every Sunday, he's alive. Every day, he's alive. Do our lives reflect it? Oh, God, wake us up. Wake us up out of our sleep, please, God. We have to know our spiritual condition. And then, and then to not settle for appearances. Do not settle for appearances. I mean, we see it right here, right? Uh, you have a reputation. It's a good reputation. You have a reputation for being alive, and yet, and yet you're dead. You know how this works, right? You know, you know how it works. It's, things look really good on the outside, but it, the reality doesn't match the appearance. This is what happens in the workplace. Do you have any 
Do you have any coworkers? You wouldn't be one of these, but do you, do you have any coworkers that just kind of show up and they just go through the motions and they're really there not to make a great contribution, not to really further the mission of your business organization or whatever, but they're just there to kind of go through the motions and earn a paycheck. Have you ever been there? This is what happens in relationships. One person just starts kind of going through the motions, and, and there's not a real connection. There's not a real pursuit of one another, be it friendship, be it marriage, whatever. And then all of a sudden, the relationship just starts to disintegrate and crumble. The same thing happens in our relationship with God. Jesus said it. He said it to the, to the people who everyone thought were like the most spiritual people in, of their day, the religious leaders. He said that Isaiah talked about you when he said, you honor me with your lips, you talk a good game, but your hearts are very far from me. You have a reputation for being alive and yet you are dead. And so Paul puts it like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen, listen to this, and these words just convict me almost, almost every time I read them. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. Look at this. Having the appearance of godliness. But denying its power. Having an appearance of godliness. But denying its power. Will we go through the motions in our relationship with God? Or will we live with the power of God infusing every step? Just look at your life. Look at your life right now. No one knows it better than, than you, at least in terms of, of, of how you're going about your day and where your thoughts are and your pursuit of God and how that's, is, is, it, is your life really pouring fruit, fruit, fruit uh, forth the, the fruit, there we go, forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit, where there's love and joy and peace just overflowing, like when people, here's a question, when people hang around you, when people just it can just be for 30 minutes or it can be for a whatever amount of time. Like when people are with you, do they want to be more like God? Does your life make a difference? Are, are people changing their, their view of God, changing their relationship with God because of the way that you're going about your life and the way that you're loving them and serving them and sharing with them and actually pointing them to Jesus? This is why we sing the song, You Make Me Brave. You want to know why we sing the song, You Make Me Brave? Because most of us aren't that brave. I mean, I always just sing it every week as far as I'm concerned because I need that. I need God to make me brave. I need the Holy Spirit to make me courageous to go love the people around me so that I'm actually living with power and not just an appearance of godliness because I have pastor in front of my name.
So we need to help one another in this. We need to help one another to know our spiritual condition and to not settle for appearances, right? So, so this is how it works, okay? This is how it works, and, and we're, again, just another prayer, right? This is prayer day. Another prayer for our church is that we would be the kind of community that not only we go to one another and we ask, like, hey, what do you see in my life? But, but that we would go to one another and we would just simply say these three words. How are you? How are you? And when we say, how are you, it's more than just a, like saying, like, what's up? What's going on? But, but, but really, uh, the fourth word implied is, like, how are you really? Like, like deep down in your soul, like, how are you? Like, like with, with the stuff that, that people can't see, how are you? In your relationship with God, how are you? Is there any power in your life? How are you? And, and then, isn't that simple? Can we just be a how are you church? You know? Can we just really ask one another that? And, and, then, and then keep it real? You know what I'm saying? Like really keep it real when someone asks? I mean, this is why I try not to give a throwaway, uh, you know, uh, response to uh, my guys, Matt and Jonathan, in the lobby just, uh, just about 35 minutes ago or 45 minutes ago or what it was. Like, yo, what's going on? How are you doing, Pastor Tanner? Well, they're pretty good, but, you know, like someone tried to broke in, break into our house three weeks ago. That wasn't good. Yeah, like it, it causes fear to rise up and it, and it jolts you out of your normal rhythms of life. Pray for us is not always good. We can be real with one another. Three words, how are you? And then loaded behind that are three actions, right? Three actions. When we ask the question, then we have a responsibility as we represent Christ to one another. Isn't it beautiful? Okay, to what? Listen, listen, listen carefully, be an active listener. And then to speak Truth to one another, whether that's on the spot or maybe at some other point you think about something that would encourage them, maybe some truth from the, the Scripture. Hey, when all else fails, give someone Scripture. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't even have to be related to what they, I mean, it's better if it's related, you know. But uh, Just to, you know, the Word is life. It's life. It's what wakes us up. So listen, speak, and then serve them in some way. And most often, what that's going to be is, is, I think, at least for me, most often is through prayer. You know? Hey, it, it, here's a tip. Here's a tip. It took me a while to learn this one, okay? I wish I would have had some better coaching in ministry. No, no hate to my mentors, all right? They probably, I just probably didn't hear them or forgot. But um, instead of just saying, like, hey, I'm going to be praying for you, there is, like, there is, it is not illegal in this country to pray wherever you are. And it's certainly not in this church. I mean, you're not, you may not feel totally comfortable with that today, but, but I, I bet as you grow in Christ, you will. Just to pray on the spot with someone. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out prayer. Just, God, would you help them meet their needs in these moments, strengthen them according to where they need to be strengthened. Let's not settle for appearances. Number three, Let's get into more, like, this is like understanding and knowing. Now let's get into some more action and solution, okay? Number three, receive the strength of God's spirit daily. Verse two, he says, strengthen what remains and is about to die. 
So the picture is that they received Christ, they had the life of Christ, but as they continued in Christ, this is what happened. There was just this steady decline, you know, they just kind of looked like this. And perhaps, perhaps, and this is what it most often looks like, is that, you know, there's a little bit of slip, and then we just kind of regain a bit, and then there's another little slip, and, and then all of a sudden, we've, we've grown weaker in our relationship with Christ. We've declined in our spiritual journey. And, and how this most often happens, and this is why we don't see it, this is why we assume the best of ourselves, is because it happens very slowly. It happens slowly and very subtly to where we don't see it, but that's what's going on. So what this teaches us, all right, please don't miss this, this is so important. This teaches us that the Christian life is a dynamic life. Dynamic. Let me explain. You will either progress or regress day by day. You'll either move forward or take a step backward. You'll grow or you will decline. If you think life in Christ is steady state, you are steadily deceived. Steadily deceived. It's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's because it's a real life. There's real health here, right? Like when we don't take care of our bodies, our health declines. I mean, you think about, I mean, this is like a maximum of life, right? Like I took Kessid to a dance yesterday. You know, like what happens if one of, the, the, one, of, one of the classmates doesn't show up for dance, you know, three or four weeks in a row? What happens? They regress. They decline. They don't know what's going on. They don't have their moves down, right? Same thing is happening in, you know, electrical engineering 101 or, you know, whatever, whatever endeavor in life. And so Jesus is saying, look, you're like strengthen. There's no, there's no coasting here in the Christian life. It's not like in a pressured way. I mean, if we're thinking that in a pressured way, we were missing the whole point. Okay, this is a little, in a way of opportunity. There's an opportunity for me to draw near to God today. There's an opportunity to, to grow in Christ. What did Paul say in 2 Corinthians 4? Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Day by day. Renewal on the inside. Growth on the inside. Moving forward, making progress in our relationship with God. And listen, this happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, why does Jesus introduce himself as the words of him who has the seven spirits of God? How do we make progress in the Christian life? By the Holy Spirit who strengthens us and gives us life day by day by day. Jesus says you can't do this on your own. You don't have the strength. You have to keep depending on me, and I will keep giving you everything you need. Because, listen, God is that good. He is that good of a father. He has that many resources, right? Jesus in Luke 11, how does this, we, we, we keep coming to God in prayer. We keep singing, Lord, I need you. Every hour, every moment, I need you, right? 
And so Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples to pray, he, he talks about, he talks about this man who comes at midnight and asks for bread, and it's like, it's midnight, you know? So the dude doesn't want to get up out of bed and give him bread, but because he keeps knocking on the door, he finally gets up and gives him some bread, right? And then Jesus goes on and he says, look, what, what father, if his son asks for a fish, will give him, you know, a stone, or who asks for bread, will give him a scorpion, right? And it's like, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give what? the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Don't doubt the goodness of God. I just want to say that as a pastor today, right? I know we have our doubts and we, we struggle and we don't, sometimes we, we like, man, I'm not sure if I can, if I can do this. And, but listen, don't doubt the goodness of God. He wants to give you more of himself. He wants to today, tomorrow. He wants to pour out his spirit upon you to live the life that he's called you to live, to move forward in the good works that he has for you, that he created you to do. And so just keep asking again and again and again. We had a night of prayer on Friday night. What do we do? We just ask God for more and more of God to fill us with his Holy Spirit that we could be living out our faith day by day by day. Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we're having Groups, nights of prayer. Don't miss it. If you haven't been in a group yet, it's cool. Just show up to one of these groups, nights of prayer. It'll be your first time. And what we're going to do is we're going to hang out for a few minutes, and then we're just going to pray. And we're going to ask God to strengthen us in this season. Next Friday, we're starting at 24 hours of prayer, 5 p.m. to 5 p.m. the next day. And we're going to pray. And we're going to pray about a lot of different things because when you have 24 hours, you have a lot of time to pray for a lot of different things. But, but the main thing is that we're seeking the face of God. What is prayer? What is prayer? It's gazing into the face of God. And when we gaze into the face of God, we see his glory. It radiates into our face. And then our faces are changed to reflect the same glory. That's what prayer is about. Prayer is about changing us more than it is ever about changing anything God would ever do. So I just I can't help but say this. I want to say it lovingly. I want to say it hopefully in an encouraging way, all right, that just builds us up today. I mean, because, listen, I love this. God has taken us so far. God has taken us so far as a church. I mean, just look around. You see what God's doing, you know, eight years in as a church. But, but as we've been talking more and more about being a praying church, like, like not just a church that prays on occasion, but a church that is, like, known for prayer. Like, when people think about redemption, they think, like, man, these people pray. They're in tune with God. If I need something to be prayed for, these people will show up and they will pray for me. I just got to say, we haven't arrived in that. We haven't arrived. Just don't, don't think because Pastor Tanner talks about something that we, like, have arrived at it. And here's the point. This is what I want to say. If you want to know a church's spiritual condition, you know where I'm going with this? You know where I'm going? If you want to know how healthy a church is, how alive and awake a church is, don't come to Sunday morning. Go to the prayer night. See who's, see who's hungry for God then. When it's not as convenient, when it's not as like the thing that we do every, you know, and, and listen, that's no judgment. That's no hate. If you didn't come Friday night or if you can't come to, you know, groups night or whatever, okay, but it's just, a, just an encouragement to remember what this is really about. 
Yes, worship. Yes, sing. Yes, be instructed from the word, right? But, and, and to live in groups and all these great things that we do. But, but to continue to seek God again and again and again. To ask for his strength in our lives. And part of that, that asking is then, number four, to, to be able to continue in walking worthy of the gospel. All right, look at verses three and four. I need to speed up here. Jesus says, Jesus says, remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. And so, so Jesus, what are we to remember? We're to remember what we received and heard. Okay, this has to be referring to a reception of the gospel when we heard the news of Jesus and we not only heard of the, the news of Jesus, how good Jesus is, what he's done for us, how he's made a way back to God when there was no way before, that we couldn't earn our way to God by our good deeds or works, but that he came and did what we couldn't do by keeping the law of God perfectly and then dying in our place so that we could have the life of God. This is what Jesus did. This is what we heard. And this is what we then received as a gift of his grace. And yet, what Jesus says is, remember what you received and heard. And then he says, keep it and repent. In other words, let me, just, let me just smooth that out for you, okay? Um, what Jesus is saying is, how you receive the gospel, keep walking in it. Never move away from the gospel. The gospel is the foundation for everything, and it always is. How you start the Christian life is how you continue. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. I want you to write this down in your notes, okay? Or just put it, stamp it in, in your mind so you can go and study it and read about it this week, Okay? What, therefore, what you received and heard, continue to walk in, rooted and built up in your faith. Do you hear that? What you received and heard, continue to walk in. This is also, here's another verse, Titus 2, 11 and 12, okay? Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Titus 2, 11 and 12. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. This, this gift of salvation is for anyone, right? No matter the color, no matter the age, no matter the background, no matter the nationality, the grace of God has, has, has brought salvation, appearing to all, and then it says what? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live upright, self-controlled, and godly lives in the present age. The grace brings salvation. The grace helps us live the life that God calls us to live every single day. See that? And so it's about a continuing and walking worthy of the gospel. I mean, just the gospel is what drives everything. It motivates everything. Again, all of our relationships, Jesus says, love as I have loved you. How has, God, how has God loved us? He's loved us in Christ through what he's done for us in the good news of the gospel. Our finances, we, we steward with kingdom priorities. We give generously because God has given so generously to us in our work lives. We do good work. We finish our work just as Jesus finished his work and completed the assignment that God the Father had given him. Do you see how this works? The gospel influences everything in our parenting. It influences the way that we speak to our children. There's never an action we make or a word we speak or a thought we think or a desire we crave that should ever be separated from a keeping of the gospel and living in line with it. This is what repentance is. Repentance is not a one-time thing, turning from our sin to Christ, but a continual turning every single day. This is what it lives to live. This is what it means to live a, an awakened life. 
but, but, but notice, too, I just want to spend a minute here, okay? He says, remember. Remember. Remember what you received. Remember what you heard. Keep it and repent. And so, so much of the Christian life is about remembering, going back, remembering the gospel. Here's another scripture for you. I don't have time to get too deep into this, but I got to throw it out there, okay, because the Lord's just burning it on my heart these days, okay? Psalm 77, okay? That's P-S-A-L-M, Psalm 77, all right? Everybody got it? Psalm 77. Let me tell you what's going on there. This is so good. The psalmist is going through some really difficult times. He calls it his day of trouble. He says that it's so bad that he can't help but keep crying out to God uh, all the day. He's stretching out his hand without wearying. He's getting no sleep because he is that desperate because of the circumstances in his life. But then he says that he remembers his song in the night. Ooh, that's the, that, that purpose of praise. Come on, keep push play. Keep praising God. He remembers the times when he was praising God. His spirit does a diligent search and it says this, then I appealed to the years of the, of the right hand of the Most High. In other words, what's going on is he's remembering how faithful God was in the past. He's remembering all of the goodness of God in the years gone by. And then he just starts talking about them in the rest of the psalm, how God was faithful, how he brought them through the wilderness, how he led them through the Red Sea. When there was a barrier, God broke through the barrier and was faithful to move them on. And he's saying, this God will be faithful to me today just as he was then because he does not change. And guess what? <laughs> guess what? We live on this side of the cross. We live on this. We live, we live looking back at the sacrifice of the Son of God who was perfect and died for despicable people like you and me. He didn't deserve to be there. That's why we're going to take some time on Good Friday to reflect. This is the God who rose from the dead. Did you get that? It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. You can't say anything else argument. If, if God rose from the dead, what can't he do in your life? Remember, 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 remember. Appeal to the years of the Most High. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. That's what builds our faith. That's what causes hope to rise. That's what motivates us to go out and say, you know what, God? It's not easy to represent you in the workplace. It's not easy to talk to you, uh, to my friends about you. But guess what? You've been faithful in the past. You can empower me today. I can live in the strength of your spirit. Oh, yeah, to fight sin in my life, to kill the, 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 the things in my life that don't look like you. Finally, finally this. As we, as we know our spiritual condition, as we, we're not settling for appearances, as we're receiving the strength of God's spirit daily and continuing to walk worthy of the gospel. The ultimate, the ultimate kind of journey here is that we're moving from life to life. We're moving from life to life. Look, let's look at it together. Verse 5 and 6, Jesus says this, to you who conquers, to you who keep, keep keeping on, 
If you remain faithful, you keep remembering and receiving and hearing and keeping and repenting. He says, you, the one who conquers, will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you know Christ, if, if you have received the gift of the life of Christ, your name is in God's book. And God's book is the book of life. And that life is for right now, but that life is also for forever. And so, have you received Christ? Are you confident that your name is in God's book? This is the, this is the greatest gift that we could ever receive, the gift of life. The God, God made us for life. The reason we don't experience life is because we don't experience and we don't live out what God wants for us. That's, that's our whole problem. And yet, God offers us life. And for all those who have received the life of God, it says this. This is, this is the moment of all moments. Like, it just, we can just think about it like this. This is the moment of all moments. Jesus says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his holy angels. Have you thought about it lately? Jesus not only knows your name, but he will speak your name before God the Father, and he will say, they belong to me. Welcome home. Welcome home. Alex, welcome home. Joe, welcome home. Meg, welcome home. Ermute, welcome home. He knows your name. He will confess your name. Because you've confessed his name in this life, he will confess your name in the life to come. There's no greater news than this. There's no greater news than this. And so as we wrap up, I just want to encourage us with one more piece. Scholars often say about the church at Sardis that the works they had left incomplete and the, the place where they had declined the most was actually this very thing, confessing Jesus before other people. We, they, they get there because of what Jesus says about the, the seven stars, the messengers who were messengers of, of God and, and witnesses to who he is, okay? But then also, because of this promise, he says, I will confess their name. And so there seems to be, there was this, this pulling back. Maybe it was from the pressure of the culture. Uh, and Sardis was one of the largest uh, Jewish synagogues. And so perhaps as they would have represented Christ, that there would have been some cost to that. There may have been some persecution out of that. And so over time, they just stopped, stopped being as bold. They stopped representing Jesus in the same way. And yet this is our call. This, guys, this is our greatest assignment. This is the mission that we've been handed. 
Yes, to live with God day by day and to enjoy all of his blessings, but, but to actually tell other people about how good he is. To actually, like if he, listen, if he has written his name in his, our names in his book, and, and this moment of all moments is waiting for us, how can we keep it to ourselves? How? It just doesn't add up. It does not. So, so as we move into this Easter season, as we move into this Easter season, I just want to ask you this one question. Who is your one? Who's your one? Who's the one person in your life? Wake up, church. Wake up. Who's your one? Wake up. Don't let this Easter season go by. This is like the, the time of the year when, you know, it's like the, it's just a softball. You know, like what it means to hit a softball, you know, in, in baseball, like this, the ball is this big, not this big. It's like much easier, right? I probably can hit a softball, but most human beings can. Um, and so like, this is like an, this is the easiest time of the year to just like, you know, take one of these invite cards. Just one of the, you've received three, but just, just one to this one person in your life, this neighbor, this coworker, this friend, and say, you know what? I would love for you to come and join me for Easter Sunday. Cards may not be your thing. You might want to use Facebook. You, you might not want to use Facebook or cards. You might just want to use your mouth. You know, like it doesn't matter what you use. The point is that you love this person enough and you believe that Jesus is this real that you would Invite them into the story. Who is your one? I want to invite the music team to come up, and we're just going to spend some time praising God and singing together. But I, I want us to spend some time just reflecting and, and responding first in prayer. You know, the, there's no doubt that these, uh, these messages through the book of Revelation and the, the Jesus words to the seven churches, they are... They are uh, intense, and, and, and they are, they are um, gripping, I think, to say the least. But once again, to know our spiritual condition, that, that we could come in here today, and we could come out of here today, and we could be basically in the same place when we come in the next week and the next week. And so what I want to ask you to do is just bow your head, close your eyes, and just focus in on God. Don't, don't focus on the person around you. Don't focus on Pastor Tanner, but just a couple of minutes here, face to face with God, and just pray, God, would you, would, you, would you help me see where I am before you? Would you just pray that? God, show us. Show us where we are before you. God, show us the places where we're sleepy. God, encourage us in the places where we're fully awake and alive. And then if you just ask God to, to empower you right now, just to fill you in a fresh way with his Holy Spirit, to, to live the life that he's called you to live. We can't do this on our own. We can't, we can't do it in our own strengths. But God is full of love and full of mercy and full of compassion and full of grace and full of power, strength to help us live our lives for him. 
Just cry out to God and ask him to fill you, fill you, fill your heart with all of who he is. And that he would send you out. God, send us out. Could you just pray that? God, send me out, Lord. Send us out to be your witnesses, your representatives to the people around us, God, just that we would love them like you've loved us. And, Lord, we're going to believe and we're going to trust that you're powerful to use our feeble efforts for your purposes, for your name. And so, God, we pray that this would be an amazing season of growth and harvest, Lord. That you, Jesus said, look, look up. Look at the fields. They're, they're ripe for harvest. I'm so sick and tired of everyone saying, oh, it's tough to, to be a Christian in Boston. Can we just get sick and tired together, church? Can we just get sick and tired of, oh, it's, you, it's so hard to start a church in Boston. Oh, this is like a church planter's graveyard. Let's flip the script. Jesus is alive. We walk forward in victory, not defeat. We're not dead. We're alive. The only, the only voice that's, that's saying you don't have it, what it takes is the voice of the evil one who just lies to us all the day. Lord God, today we choose to hear your voice. God, we cho choose to believe your truth. God, we confess that Jesus is enough for us today and tomorrow. And God, we're going to live differently so that next Sunday when we come in, we're going to be fully awake, Lord. We're going to be fully awake, God. We're going to be awake to all of who you are. We're going to walk in your spirit. We're going to move forth in the power that you supply. And we're going to see this church change, and we're going to see this city change, Lord. God, there's nothing stopping you from filling up every seat in this room on Easter Sunday to where it's just absolutely overflowing with people. Lord, you can do that. We can't do it, God, but you can. So, Lord, would you do it, Lord? Wake us up, God. Wake us up. Lord, wake us up. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.